Hello, and welcome to StarCast from Planet Waves. Today's edition is for Sunday, the 19th of February, 2023. My name's Eric Francis Coppolino, your friendly neighborhood astrologer and news reporter, here with a double edition of StarCast, which will include first a second look at the Pisces new moon chart, which I talked about in the immediately prior edition, which you can find right at planetwaves.net. And then in part two, I'm going to take a second look at the Ohio train derailment chart from Feb 3rd, 2023. Uh, This chart is kind of expanding in its significance and its importance, and I think is going to, uh, along with the incident that it represents, stand out as uh, one of the great morality plays of the 21st century. All right, so first, uh, let's take a new look at this Pisces new moon chart. Uh, just uh, the the basic data is that the sun entered Pisces Saturday at 5.34 p.m. Eastern time. All times in this podcast are Eastern time, in case I forget to mention that. Um, and then the moon enters Pisces Sunday at 11.56 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, that is to say just before midnight, and then uh, not long after midnight at 2.05 a.m., 2.06, closer to, uh, the the Pisces new moon takes place. This is a conjunction of the moon and the sun in Pisces. It happens uh, usually once a year. Okay, so, uh, and at the moment, by the way, I'm recording with the moon in late Aquarius, approaching a conjunction to Saturn. Uh, so depending on when you're listening on uh, on Sunday, that is the nature of the serious cast to the day, the um, let's, you know, l- let's uh, take care of business kind of uh, concept of, uh, of, the, of the day when the moon is conjunct Saturn. Um, Pisces has a very different quality to Aquarius. It's as different as two signs can be. Uh, you might say they, they are as different as the water is from the urn. Aquarius is the sign of the water bearer and its urn, or the one who measures the water. Aquarius is sometimes also represented by the, the goddess Nut. Is it the goddess Nut? I'm not sure. Standing in the Nile River with a, um, a measuring stick called the Nile Normalica to, to measure the height of the waters. And this is a form of div- divination, kind of practical divination, uh, to uh, contemplate how much food there's going to be based on whether the Nile floods and re- re- recharges the banks of the, uh, of, of the river. All right, so now we are in Sun Pisces, a mutable water sign, the last sign of the season, winter season, up here in the Northern Hemisphere. So, uh, southern Hemisphere, it's the last uh, sign of the summer season as autumn is approaching. And this happens at a special time. The sun's entry and the new moon in Pisces happen at a special time regarding all things Pisces because there are two major events coming. One of them is Saturn entering Pisces. Uh, This uh, happens on the 7th. And let me, well, since I've mentioned it now, let, let me basically describe what I think that is, uh, that that's going to be about. So uh, there's, you know, not good PR going out about Saturn and Pisces in 
uh, in these in these kind of astrology world that I, that I've seen. But what I I, I want to add this is that we have really been running at uh, an overabundance of Pisces energy, n- not necessarily in the good sense of inspiration and you know music on the streets and you know. Uh, things favoring art and poetry and that kind of thing, but rather in the sense of yin energy running out of control. There, there is an imbalance in the world right now, and the imbalance is often said, well, it's yang energy out of control. Things uh, things are too violent, but the thing is when the, the yin energy runs out of control, that can water down the yang energy, causing an overreaction and so there can be a lot of compensatory behavior. And so the point with yin and yang is that they have to be in balance. And the yin right now is most decidedly not in balance. And that is associated with um, Neptune in Pisces and also Nessus in Pisces. So they're, 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 you know, they're, they're pushing things to limits and beyond limits, as we can see in a lot of ways in life. And so my sense of um, Saturn entering Pisces it's go- is that it's going to provide some containment to this overflowing, out of control, overabundant yin energy. So that's coming uh, in about two weeks on, uh, I think, the 7th of, of March. We're right around then. Um, okay, so new moon in Pisces starts uh, the cycle over, the, the solar lunar cycle over, and this uh, reminds us that we are in what should be one of the most spiritually grounded signs, and uh, the sign that is associated in, in its most um, positive expressions with all of the beauty of nature and sensuality and sexuality and um, the the aesthetic qualities of the earth. Now, Pisces, as I've mentioned, is strongly under the influence of Neptune because Neptune has been there for over 10 years. And this makes all of those beautiful things subject to corruption. It's a sad state of affairs on the earth, but the thing is that we are the ones who have to preserve the integrity of all things related to Pisces and Neptune and um, and make sure that we use this uh, sublime and inspirational energy constructively rather than destructively. Now, speaking of destructively, uh, Mars is currently moving ever closer to an event that happens in late March, but we are under its influence right now. And this is another important Pisces event, and that is Mars square Neptune. This has happened two times recently, once in October, once in November, and it's associated again with all of this overflowing out-of-control um, kind of uh, ma- madness that we are experiencing. And I think things will continue to, uh, the, you know, the, the pressure and the temperature are going to continue to rise as Mars makes its third and final square uh, to Neptune. Let me get you exactly what date that is while we're here. And so this is a kind of a, a one among several very important events that, that take place in the in the month of March. March is uh, if you know, if you think it's weird now, I think March is going to be March 14th when this happens. Mars square Neptune, one of the most outstanding months in um, you know, living memory, but uh, but we shall see and I say that because in the background to everything that we're talking about is this Mars square Neptune event and Saturn entering Pisces and 
Pluto entering Aquarius. And so uh, this idea that we're like sitting on a lot of change that we might not, you know, be that interested in. I mean, I think we need a lot less change in the world. I mean, this is one of the things that's keeping everyone running, but the the digital genie in the true style of yin going out of control is out of the proverbial bottle and uh, there, there would seem to be no putting it back. And so the question I think that we as astrologers face and in, in our conversations with the people who kind of tune in to this ministry is how do you handle this uh, this constant influx of of chaos change and the feeling that everything is running out of control and there you know there's going to be a natural tendency to want to keep a grip yourself on your own affairs and that's probably a good thing but you know you want to keep just the right grip not too tight and not too loose and make sure that you know if you're even if you're watching your money you spend it where you know that you have to and that you save it where you know that you can and do your best in true Pisces style to make sure that uh, the people around you and the people that you're responsible for are taken care of. Okay, a few more points out of this chart. Um, there, there is um, a really extraordinary aspect, and that is um, a very, very late degree Venus making a sextile to a very late degree Pluto. Pluto being in Capricorn, Venus being in um, Venus being in Pisces, and so uh, th- that sextile, sixty degree aspect, one of my favorite aspects. I think it's one of the most useful aspects, and it's a real blending and harmonization, but it's saying that we're doing any blending and harmonization that we're doing uh, right at the edge. So it's kind of like making the perfect salad dressing while while you are, you know, attached to a rock that you're climbing and uh, deciding where to put each foot very consciously as you uh, shake the bottle of salad dressing. Then uh, immediately after the new moon, Venus enters Aries, and that's going to be an interesting run because it's going to make conjunctions to a number of planets, including a uh, a conjunction coming up. This is a little bit in the future, coming up uh, to Jupiter. Venus will be conjunct Jupiter on March 2nd. So that kind of begins right after Monday's full moon because the moon enters Aries, and then it's slowly approaching and building in its conjunction to a number of things. They include Vesta and Jupiter and Chiron and other other points. So um, in a little while, Venus is Venus and Aries is is going to become one of the planets that is kind of leading the narrative in which we are living. So all in all, my summary is this is a chart that needs to be handled delicately. Um, it, it is uh, it is nice to chill out and relax and do all that when the sun is in Pisces, and I recommend getting as much downtime as you can so that your mind is refreshed and ready when you need to get back into action. However, there is this very delicate situation that is building uh, with with Mars square Neptune, right? It's 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 a little it's a little little like the train cars I'm about to uh, describe because it is a volatile and uh, unstable aspect that can lead people to make decisions that they would not normally make.
So as usual, pay attention. Um, I'm planning a spring video reading. That's uh, now I've moved that back into March a little bit around the 11th or 12th or something so that I have time to uh, pull it all together properly. Uh, and I do offer readings. There'll be a Pisces reading coming out pretty soon. And that's the astrology studio reading. And then I offer readings for um, all 12 signs. And the thematic stuff is easier when I'm working with one sign and talking to one person rather than reading a general chart in a general way. If these general chart, general way readings seem a little scattered, it's because there's not a focal point. I'm not addressing a specific question. And so when I get down to the chart that says, okay, this is the chart for Pisces, here's the situation. It is much easier because I have house assignments and I can tell uh, what the specific planets are about. Uh, I'm not I'm not so sure about this general weather forecasting from the uh, from the new moon chart, but if you enjoy it, I like doing it and um, you know we'll try to be the best astrologer that I can be. All right, let's uh, let's pause for one moment and come back and consider again the chart for the Ohio train derailment on Feb 3rd. Let's take a look at this chart for the train derailment. Um, I started with 8.55 p.m. Uh, based on the National Transportation Safety Board's report. I have updated to 8.54 p.m. Now, you might not think that one minute makes a difference, but it's the difference between whether Neptune is above the western horizon or below the western horizon. Take a look at the chart. It's circled in blue on the far right of the chart. Uh, this is the first thing that any astrologer's eye would go to in this chart, um, which is that Neptune is setting. It is like looking at the sunset from the beach, or the moonset for that matter, and you see the body sinking below the horizon uh, such that you can even see it being split by the horizon and gradually disappear, and then there's a smaller and smaller arc of that planet, and um Neptune, since it's pretty small, would be located, if you could see it, which you can't, right above the western horizon at the moment of this train wreck. That is really outstanding in the sense that um, what what Neptune, as we've heard from the previous um, segment, is about is... Um, first of all, all of this yin energy out of control, this underlying ground field of energy that we are drawing power from is just uh, completely running out of control. And the second thing that Neptune represents is, well, the second thing it represents is things involving gaseous material. So that's very Neptune as well. And this whole uh, train wreck involved things that were largely vinyl chloride monomer has a boiling point of 46 degrees fahrenheit so that means that uh, it'll if you have a bowl of it and it's you know 40 degrees it's going to sit there as a liquid and then as it warms up 
it, it's just going to start to boil off right before your eyes. And so we have this thing that's kind of at the, at the right at the phase between liquid and solid at normal ambient temperatures this in this time of year, this time of uh, the human race. And so um, we've got this uh, noxious, uh, dangerous stuff. Uh, and, and then uh, that stuff was lit on fire. Uh, there's your image of Mars square Neptune as that approaches. I guess they were uh, jumping the gun a little bit on that one and thought, oh, well, you know, let's just let's just have that aspect now. We'll just torch it right now. One thing we're looking into is who actually gave the order uh, to, to uh, dump and torch those chemicals. Uh, although I can tell you that uh, I confirmed yesterday that the EPA was notified two hours after the train wreck. But the most important thing that that Neptune represents is an environment of deception and denial. And one of the frightening things about the time we're in is that there is a very rarely a reward for someone taking responsibility for something and taking accountability for what they did. You know, responsibility is, is what you do when it's not necessarily your fault, and accountability is what's supposed to happen when it is your fault. And neither of those things happen very much now, and we're needing to uh, work our way through this um, pretty bad environment where uh, there's not a value placed upon truth. And I wanted to say that everything that we've seen so far in connection with this incident is typical of what happens uh, around dioxin. So we're accounting for Neptune on the seventh house cusp here. All right. Um, the other, there are two other massive standout patterns, and then I'll, I'll get into some of the subtle points. And if nobody minds, I'll, uh, I'll go on until um, I feel like I've um, at least uh, added discussion of the things I discovered today. All right, you see the bold green line between the sun and Uranus. So that is an exact square aspect between the sun and Uranus. The square is 90 degrees. It's the most powerful aspect, the most dynamic aspect. It's the highest tension, potentially the highest integrity aspect, um, because pretty much the, the world as we've designed it stands on 90 degree angles. That's how buildings stand up and uh, whether you split it in half and make them 45 degree angles, it amounts to the uh, to, to the same thing. And that aspect is so close that you can see that Neptune's number is 15 Taurus 00, zero even. And by the way, sitting right at the cross quarter, the exact midpoint between the Aries uh, equinox and the Cancer solstice. Um, and then the sun, you can see down there, the sun's at Aquarius. The sun, too, is at the midpoint between uh, the, uh, the winter solstice and the Aries equinox right there in middle Aquarius, northern hemisphere terminology. And it is at 1458, 14 degrees and 58 minutes. So that's only two minutes of arc. That is to say one thirtieth of one degree, two sixtieths equals one thirtieth of a degree away from an exact square, and it is applying. That is a very, very powerful aspect. And the thing is that it is a classic accident aspect. However, when you take the whole thing and you place it on the cross quarters, meaning at the points exactly between equinoxes and solstices, you get what's called an Aries point effect, and you can have a situation that affects, as we are now discovering, sadly, tragically, a great many people 
far, far beyond Ohio and Pennsylvania. It is basically Ohio and Pennsylvania and all points east and many points southeast. Okay, so the third, uh, the third outstanding thing in this chart is that the moon in late Cancer is about to make an opposition to Pluto in late Capricorn. So you can see that. I'm going to draw that in right now. I'm going to give that a, uh, I'm going to give that a red line, um, and this will be a little bit different from the uh, from the chart that you had seen before. So that gets a dark red line, that opposition uh, between the moon and Pluto. So the thing is that uh, that that is that has a sense of doom and a sense of finality, and it's kind of like they should just stop all the trains for a while when you have an aspect like that, but of course that's not going to happen. Now, the moon is doing some other interesting things here. Um, the moon is square... Apollo. Apollo, that's the little thing that looks like the globe with the line through it. You can see the orange line going down from the moon. It's pointing to Apollo. That's a 20. I'll write that in for you. A P O L L Apollo. Uh, at 20 at 27 degrees of uh 27 plus of Libra. Apollo, the moon's next aspect is very important because it says what's going on. And Apollo is about making the same mistakes over and over again, plain and simple. The same mistakes over and over again. That's the nature of Apollo. And then comes the uh, the the opposition uh, to Pluto with this sense of finality and doom. And it's not that that and un, under these circumstances, that's not an aspect that's especially friendly to life. Now, the the presence of Neptune on the seventh house cusp is really really outstanding and of course where I go the first place I go is I put up a 90 degree sort and I want to look at what else is in that degree range of the mutable signs right this is a technique that I use it's very simple to get get the irrelevant planets out of the way or most of them out of the way and really focus on the action and that Neptune on the seventh is very much the action in this chart, or one of the main two points of action, two, three points of action. And so, especially on the seventh, more accurate to say, it is describing the background environment. The seventh describes the background environment that you might not notice, and also the planets in the seventh describe the properties of the environment. And so we have this environment that is at once gaseous with all this volatile substances being released and, and burning. And then additionally, it is an atmosphere of delusion, denial, deception going on all at the same time. Now, what's going on there? So we find the nearest thing that, that is making an aspect to Neptune in Virgo rising, and that is the asteroid Lilith, not the black moon Lilith, not the oscillating apogee Lilith, but the asteroid Lilith and it is very close to the Ascendant, and it is a three-arc-minute opposition to Neptune. And what Lilith says to me is human nature, what we think of as human nature. All the things we typically say, oh, that's human nature. The person's jealous. They're competitive. They're this. They're that. The things you think of as typically human nature, that's what Lilith is talking about. And so What's important to remember in a situation like this is that it is not only about the corporate environment and the political interests and the power that money has. In the middle of all of this, 
no matter how powerful the big machas at BlackRock and Chase, who own this railroad, are, is human nature operating. And so for making a list of things that, uh, that would count for human nature, one of them is going to be greed, and another is going to be competitiveness. And these can be factors uh, with, uh, with Lilith. And so now we're combining the properties of all that delusion, deception, denial in this dangerous atmosphere of toxic, volatile substances opposite Lilith rising in the chart. And so we could even say, well, in this chart, actually what's going on is that human nature is the thing rising. Now, human nature does not need to be in deception and delusion and denial. In, in, in fact, there are many significant uh, moments when, when it is not, but we don't see them very much anymore because we don't reward people for making sense. We don't reward people for paying attention. We don't reward people for taking responsibility. It is time to do that. It is time to look at who is taking responsibility, and which is another facet of human nature, and support, sustain, and feed, and reward that facet of human nature. So let's be on the lookout in this situation for who is actually taking responsibility and, um, and, and may maybe making sure that we know who those people are and make sure that we support that. Now, a few other things going on here. Um, the in, in any chart where there is a um, an, an incident like this, the presence of arachne is um, is is important to check. And I, I just gave a whole astrology class where I said, well, normally um, I I will look on the axis and see what's on the axis. You know, I'll take. Neptune at 23 and change. I'll zero in on the mutables at 23 and change. Uh, rather than uh, you know chasing specific asteroids, except in a condition where there's a subject that needs to be uh, needs to be discussed. And so what we've got in this chart is among the things in the mix in Pisces is Arachne, which is uh, a kind of a conspiratorial oriented um, asteroid. Now, the conspiracy here is the conspiracy of silence that surrounds these toxins and, and in particular surrounds dioxin. Additionally, in a situation where there's a technological failure of some kind, the presence of Atlantis is very important because Atlantis is all about these kind of end-of-the-world type doom and gloom uh, scenarios that are associated with Technology, and I need to make a note to myself here to check Atlantis in the chat GPT chart. So I've got that chart working, and um, and I will uh, I will take a look at it. Okay, so we've got Atlantis uh, in a very prominent place, conjunct Jupiter, about to be magnified by Jupiter. That conjunction is. In, in, in force and effect right now. Two other points stand out. They, so they are connected with Saturn. We've got Saturn at uh, 2613. You can see it there in Aquarius. And right next to it is that little triangle with a line through it. That is uh, Icarus. That is um, 
peak experiences and flight to escape. It's also associated with travel in some senses, but generally that would be what travels through the air. And then finally, next to Icarus is Damocles, a rarely used minor planet. I don't think anyone's really uh, documented this uh, very much, but it spends most of its time in Aquarius. Its orbit is so strange. And Damocles represents the sort of Damocles hanging over the head of anyone who uh, does take responsibility. And so meaning that, well, the story of Damocles is that there was a servant who said to the king, it'd be so great to be king. So they switch places for a day, and uh, and, the, and the servant finds himself sitting in a throne uh, with a sword hanging over his head that is suspended by a single horsehair. Swords are heavy, horsehairs are thin, and that uh, horsehair can snap at any moment and split the king in half from the head down. That's the feeling of Damocles. By the way, the only respect I had for Barack Obama was that he was born um, with the sun opposite Damocles. Uh, And I thought, okay, this guy's going to be under some pressure. Right now, we are all under this pressure. And um, I I think that it's important to recognize that um, the taking responsibility, a Saturn factor associated with uh, the reality principle, is a difficult and dangerous thing to do. All right, uh, I will uh, I will leave it there for now. I'm going to keep developing and assessing this chart over time. Um, if you're listening to this uh, information somewhere other than where this might be easily found, you can find all of my coverage of the Ohio situation at planetwaves.org, O-R-G. That will take you to my Substack area. Once you get to Substack, you'll realize what it is. Just click all the things to get the, you know, just to click through to the articles and you'll be on on a place that looks familiar. So that's planetwaves.org. If you're listening to this podcast on Podbean or Apple Music or Buzzsprout or some such thing, uh, the, the podcast is at planetwaves.net. You can see it right up there on the top left. And I do a weekly radio program at planetwaves.fm. So your planetwaves are .org, .net, and .fm. Thank you for tuning in. Signing off from a chilly overcast day here in Kingston, New York, a little bit ahead of noon. I'm Eric Francis Coppolino. Thanks for joining me, and bye for now.